If you want to understand and learn what your customers really want, what they really need, then you need to get out of the office. You need to get your nose out of Google and start talking to potential customers, potential suppliers, potential competitors, you name it. You've got to talk to people. And the more people you talk to, the better. Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help you get unstuck so you can do what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner-Khan. Today on episode 611 of Smashing the Plateau, I'm speaking with the founder of the startup distillery, Diane Tarshis. Whether you're starting your business or growing it, Diane has a wealth of experience working with business owners. She has some great tips to help you design and grow a business that will provide what you want and need to support your lifestyle. Stay with us to hear all the details. Whatever path you decide that you want your business to take, as you move forward on your journey, questions and concerns are inevitable. Inside the Smashing the Plateau community, you'll find a range of tools and resources to support your business, access to experts, answers to your burning questions, and the camaraderie of supportive collaborative colleagues. Check out the Smashing the Plateau community so that you can build a successful consulting business on your own terms, doing what you love and getting paid what you're worth. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com slash community. That's smashingtheplateau.com slash community. Now let's welcome Diane Tarshis. Diane is a seasoned business advisor and founder up of Startup Distillery. Working with entrepreneurs across the U.S. and around the globe, Diane uses her unique mix of finance, retail, manufacturing, and operations experience to help entrepreneurs distill their ideas into profitable growing businesses. Diane, welcome to the show. David, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Great to have you on. Tell me a little bit about your career. I know that you were an employee early on and mm-hmm. you've had your own business for a while. Tell me a little bit about your career and how that also led you to become an entrepreneur. You know, I grew up in a family where my father worked for corporate America and he would come home, you know, and We'd have dinner together and I'd hear about the business problem of the day. And I always knew I wanted to go into business. And I thought, you know, I'll go into corporate America. I'll study business. I'll get a job at some big corporation and, you know, stay there and retire. (laughs) And (laughs) that is not how things turned out because I studied business at uh, the Wharton School as an undergraduate. And I spent some time working for a research center that was a joint venture between the SBA and the school in consulting local business, uh, local Philadelphia area business owners. And I had never been exposed to entrepreneurship before. And this was back in the dark ages, you know, many decades ago, and it changed my life. And so I just became fascinated and motivated and excited working with people who were starting their own businesses. And I knew that I wanted to work with them ultimately, but I also knew I needed to get some real hands-on experience before I could be as valuable as I wanted to be. So I started out working on Wall Street 
for an investment bank and brushed up on my financial skills and then decided to get a life. And I left New York and came to Chicago and got a little more balance and (laughs) worked for a department store retail chain in uh, operations and in the buying office and then decided to move to something smaller Again, dealing with manufacturing and operations and finance. That's the joy of working for smaller companies. And ultimately made a choice as a woman and a mother that I wanted to start my own business to, again, I'm coming back to that word balance, but to get some balance in terms of my professional aspirations and also my goals regarding how I wanted to raise my kids. So... That's the long story. Yeah, there's a lot in there. And I, we could go in so many different directions. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I want to focus on um, your shift from sort of a corporate life to small business life mm. um, and, and having more control over your time so that you could have um, greater, it's often called work-life balance. I like to describe it as maybe better integration because we're... we're yeah. Right, each one is is a whole person, and there are different aspects of of how we spend our time that we want to weave together and have. Um, and in particular, the allure of starting your own business, whether it's a solopreneur consulting business or some other kind of uh, small business, the allure is often having more control over your time, which is what you've alluded to. Right. Right. You know, it's kind of a, I, I don't know if the it's double-edged sword or just um, somewhat fantasy. I don't, I don't know. I can tell you uh, just from personal experience and also from the experience of my clients, there's sometimes in the illusion that you have more control over your time. But sometimes, I guess a lot of times it could also take up a lot more time to have your own business. I guess you get to dictate perhaps which hours and which days, but maybe the total hours end up being much greater when it's your own business versus working for corporate America. So, you know, it's as we all in the entrepreneurship world know, it's not a nine to five kind of experience. So no, it definitely is not nine to five. And in your case, Diane, did you find that you were spending more time working on your business when you were an entrepreneur versus what you did when you were an employee? Um, Depends which job, because certainly working in investment banking was all-consuming. But relative to my other jobs, probably yes. Particularly once I had children, there was a lot of, I want to say, non-traditional hours. So when they were very young, I spent a lot of my time working on the weekends and evenings as opposed to during the normal working day, which thankfully, you know, in the world of entrepreneurship is a bonus because so many people are trying to start their businesses while, you know, as a side hustle. So, you know, while they still have their regular nine to five job. So people were really grateful to be able to work together on the weekends. So, but yeah, I'm sure it adds up to be a lot more when it's my own business. So. And how did your business end up becoming the startup distillery? You know, I had my older child and I knew I wanted to start my own business. I always knew I wanted to do something related to the consulting work I had done as a student. And I remember walking into a bookstore and going to the section on business 
and looking for ideas for at-home businesses. And most of them did not resonate. And then I came upon one that talked about writing business plans, which was a nice chunk of what I did during my student consulting days. And I was like, oh, I can do that. And I can do that with flex time. And that's sort of how that was the beginning of how I started Startup Distillery. So, you know, it grew from there. I can tell you that in that I started out the first several years focusing strictly on writing business plans. But a number of years into it, I realized that clients also needed help either before they were ready for a business plan. Like, I have this great idea. You know, does it make sense? (laughs) Is this going to work? And then also after the business plan of, great, we've got this roadmap. We've got this operating blueprint. How the heck do I implement it? And so that's how the consulting pieces came to be. And then last but not least, after being in business for, I don't know, I think about 15 years, I had had so many calls from people asking for help, but they had super limited budgets. And so I finally decided to put together what I fondly refer to as a DIY kit, which is really kind of an all-in-one solution where entrepreneurs can really get all of the information and advice that I share one-on-one, how to think like a business owner and an entrepreneur, you know, just sort of the nuts and bolts of how to start a business with a solid foundation. And then also including worksheets and templates, including financial templates to help them get to where they want to go. So that's how all of that, it just sort of evolved over the years. And how, how is what you offer, particularly this do-it-yourself kit, how is it different than a lot of the other stuff that's out there? You know, it's, it's funny you ask that because before I decided to embark on that, I went onto Amazon and I ordered a slew of uh, the offerings of how to write a business plan. And I was really surprised at how I found them very confusing, frankly. And I am more of a linear thinker in terms of how to sort of develop the blueprint or the roadmap or foundation for a business, you know, use your word of choice or business plan. And so I wanted to develop something that was very linear and step-by-step, something that was written in all plain English without using any of the fancy buzzwords and jargon that can be sexy and appealing to those who know and intimidating to those who don't. I just wanted it to be very accessible And also these worksheets and templates, you know, I wanted something. So many clients over the years had used something. I don't even know if it still exists. It was called something like Business Plans Pro. And it was a software program. And people would come to me having tried to use it. And it was one of those garbage in, garbage out sort of experiences. And so I really wanted to try to prevent that. So that's how I ended up. This just was a huge brain dump of, you know, everything that I use, all the tools, all the thinking, all the guidance, you know, in this kit. So that was the idea for under $200. So. Yeah. And Diane, what are some of the common reasons why someone feels the need to write a business plan or need to go through some kind of step-by-step approach to have this kind of blueprint? Well, 
they're the people who know they want to raise funds. And so it's a really a requirement to have a business plan. And then there are the people that understand that how important it is to have a plan. Listen, you know, I tell my clients as well, basically anyone who wants to start a business, regardless of whether they're looking to raise funds or they want to bootstrap, the most important thing they need is a plan because you have to know what you're going to do and how you're going to do it. Otherwise, you're in, I say, reactive mode or firefighter mode where you're just sort of dealing with the fire of the day as opposed to thinking proactively and having this sort of knowledge base where you can make smart decisions, you know, on the fly or, you know, whenever opportunity knocks rather than just sort of, frankly, not making smart decisions and making mistakes that could be avoided, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, that totally makes sense. Dan, what are your thoughts about growth strategies for business owners? They're all sorts of ways that one could, once somebody has a business that is established and is profitable, Mm -hmm. there are lots of ways that one could take it into the future. Right. Yeah. What are your thoughts about some of the different options? You know, I'll be honest that most of my clients tend to be on the very early side of this whole process, the early stage. Occasionally, I have people come to me where they're like, okay, you know what? We're, we're ready for the next challenge. We see this opportunity. Does it make sense? Or they don't even have a particular opportunity in mind. They want more challenge. They want, you know, they just want to grow. And so it's a question of, is there an opportunity? And so the strategies we use are, you know, frankly, it's a running theme throughout my advice, which is talking to people. So talking to your existing customers, talking to your potential future customers, talking to suppliers, talking to competitors, you know, which surprises a lot of people because on the whole, competitors are actually oftentimes incredibly kind and generous with their time. And just talking to all of the players, so to speak, to learn that much more about the market and and the needs and what needs need to be filled that aren't, et cetera. So yeah. What does scaling mean to you? Scaling means to me that it is adding revenue at an exponential or a faster rate than adding resources or costs. Growth is adding revenue at the same rate you're adding resources. So, you know, scaling oftentimes is software-based businesses where it doesn't take a lot more in the cost department to add revenue at an exponential rate. Whereas growth, you know, if, if you think about, let's say, uh, I don't know, room and board, a, you know, a, a bricks and mortar store and how do they grow, you know, more stores, more customers and you know, that's to me growth. Right. And do you have feelings about whether one should pursue scaling versus pursuing just growth without scaling? I'm going to get on my soapbox now (laughs) (laughs) and tell you that for me or anyone else to tell you or any entrepreneur what they should do in terms of growth versus scaling is irrelevant and inappropriate you need to do what you want to do. So there's a lot of media attention out there that makes scaling seem like it's required, that your 
you're not doing everything you should or you're wrong if you're not scaling. And listen, you know, let's be frank. Not everyone wants to scale. I don't want to scale. I specifically have chosen not to scale my business because I like to keep it small. I like to keep it hands-on. I don't want to manage people. I don't want to have employees, particularly when my kids were younger. I didn't want to just have a lot of that extra pressure. I wanted the flexibility. So, you know, there were all of these life decisions and personal decisions that a business owner, entrepreneur has to make. And it shouldn't be a matter of other people telling them what they can or should or have to do. So that's my thought. Yeah. Have you come across some stories of businesses that have pursued either growth or scaling because they felt like they should because of external I say external forces or attention rather than yeah. rather than what really was driving them internally. You know, I read a lot of stories, frankly, about I'm sure you've heard about them too. I mean, you know, everyday occurrences, sadly, where entrepreneurs get oftentimes venture capital money where the goals aren't really aligned. And, you know, there's this pressure for growth and scaling. And the founder really doesn't doesn't believe in it, doesn't really want it, but ultimately doesn't have a choice. (laughs) And so the business starts getting away from them. And then there are the sad tales of where, you know, either it, the business fails or the business goes in a direction that the founder doesn't want or, you know, I mean, it, it really breaks my heart. Right. Then the founder gets pushed out unexpectedly. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and they wake up and say, wait, this isn't what I wanted. So I like the stories where the, you know, there are so many other options for how to fund your business that you, you don't have to give up ownership and you don't have to even take other people's money if you don't want to, or you don't have to take other people's money right away. So, you know, the longer you could hold out, certainly the stronger position you're in for negotiating. I mean, so there are all of these options, you know, and... I'm always behind the founder. I always want the founder to do what they want to do. My job is to help them bring their vision to life. And so I'm (laughs) pro-founder. What are some of the ways of growing a consulting business that owners might not be aware of, particularly if you want to maintain control? Well, there's certainly just the standard organic growth, which is, you know, you're hiring uh, and training people in whatever methodology or, you know, thinking that you believe in. And, you know, I keep thinking of the word standard, you know, standard organic growth. So we bring in more clients, we bring in more consultants. I think training is a really important piece of this in terms of how the work gets done, but also the thinking, the culture. Yeah, that's how I think about it. So yeah. Are there ways to grow a consulting business without just increasing headcount, whether it's you know hiring consultants that are employees or, or hiring consultants that are subcontractors? Are there other ways one could grow a consulting business and keep and still still basically maintain it as a, a solo business? Certainly. And I would say that is through, I want to call it programming. So there are a number of consulting companies. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about somebody that I worked with recently who's in the interior design business. And she has these incredible programs 
where, you know, she's hired some people like, you know, assistants, et cetera, but isn't hiring extra consultants. And a lot of them are sort of video-based self, I want to say self-propelled. <laughs> I can't think of the word, but sort of on-demand programming or uh, also sort of group programming where she is selling these courses, I guess. There are courses, there are workshops, uh, some are virtual, some are in person, and then these sort of video on demand options. And so all of that can be done. I'm working with somebody now actually who's doing something focused on introverts. And so he's developing a lot of programming that is this mix of on demand videos. And he's just banking, making all of these videos for the course options. So, yeah, it is certainly possible. And then, um, Let's um, sort of finish up with uh, describing your offering, which you talked about earlier, which is also a do-it-yourself offering. That's one of the offerings. So the do-it-yourself, it's called Distilling Your Dream, the step-by-step kit for business plans. And that is um, just, an, like I said, an all-in-one solution. It's $199. So hopefully something that is considered budget-friendly and I also discount uh, some small packages of uh, consulting one-on-one hours for uh, those who who uh, would like that. And then I offer custom business plans, which is certainly uh, more labor-intensive and either DIY or custom, it's still time-intensive. And then the one-on-one consulting, which I offer either packages of hours or retainer-based. So that's how that goes. <laughs> Sounds great. Well, Diane, we've certainly covered a lot of ground in a short amount of time. And um, and I'm really grateful that you've come on the show to talk about your own experience and uh, h- how you've chosen particular directions for yourself and also how you bring the breadth of your experience to help clients that are either in the early stages of planning or they've reached sustainability and they're trying to get to the next level. If somebody wants to go deeper with anything we've discussed today or access some of the resources that you've mentioned or or any other resources you have, where would the best place be for them to go? The best place to go is startupdistillery.com. And it's got my email, got my phone number, got a a one-click option to book a time for a meeting. I like the unexpected phone calls, frankly, but you know, whatever floats your boat is fine with me. And I don't want to neglect uh, to share with your audience that for anyone who wants some one-on-one consulting, I'm offering just for your listeners a buy one, get one free offering. So I charge $195 an hour. And so buy one, get another hour free and use the coupon code SOLO. I'd be happy to offer that to them. Great. So we will include that in the show notes. Diane, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today and share your insights. My guest today has been the founder of Startup Distillery, Diane Tarshis. Thank you again, Diane, for joining us. David, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. Whatever path you decide that you want your business to take, as you move forward on your journey, questions and concerns are inevitable. Inside the Smashing the Plateau community, you'll find a range of tools and resources to support your business, access to experts, answers to your burning questions, 
and the camaraderie of supportive collaborative colleagues. Check out the Smashing the Plateau community so that you can build a successful consulting business on your own terms, doing what you love and getting paid what you're worth. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com community. That's smashingtheplateau.com community. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.